0: Alright, well welcome back, honey. let's see. We see I see several places that have a whole week for Thanksgiving break. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have a whole week. So the rest of us will, are a bit envious of you, but thankful that you get that whole week. So uh, so we've been looking for to just kind of catch y'all up, we've been looking at some things about uh, about growing in Christ, spiritual maturity. And uh, as we've looked through these things, we've seen that what we really have to do is die to ourselves. And so uh, today's lesson is on discipleship. We we grow in our understanding, our knowledge of Jesus Christ. We grow in that. We we begin to mature in that. We realize who we are as God's children. We realize who we were as as basically very, very, very messed up, made in the image of God, but messed up people, we commit our lives to Christ, and then we continue to sin. We continue to make mistakes, and we continue to actually flagrantly sin. Both, and so, uh, so we need some guidance. We need some focus. We need to focus on ourselves. Jesus says, "Die to yourself." And uh, and so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about some of the things that mean. Today we're talking about discipleship itself. And uh, and, and and it's great that it's great that David Young has these uh, these really cool lessons on discipleship. Our church is focused on discipleship, but I think there are a number of things that we omit sometimes when we talk about discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And I'd like for us to just kind of get into some of those. Because uh, it's real easy. It is actually very easy to make disciples. That's not what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. So it's who we're making disciples of. So what we've looked at so far is this justification process, the atonement, the atonement, That we have because of the cross of Jesus, how he's, how he has forgiven our sins and has paid that price for us, and then we've got the sanctification. Sanctification means to make holy, the process of making holy. Oh, I forgot to. We don't have that thing going, do we? It's going, but the um, mic, the mic's not working. Okay. Talk loud. None of the sound language I know is appropriate here. So, um, uh, so anyway, uh, sanctification. Sanctification is the, the process of making holy. God is about this process of making you holy, and he does so little by little. He did so little by little with the children of Israel as he turned them from a bunch of sheep herders that were worshipping cattle in Egypt as in slavery and he brought them out of that slavery through a process to show them who they were and who he would have them to become the leadership and 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 I, and I don't you know, I, I don't mean to be uh ethnically prejudiced here but God promised them if they would do that that we that he would bless them and if you look at like you look at Jews all over the world you see the top Nobel Prize winners are Jewish you see doctors and lawyers and uh, wealthy people people of influence all over the world are, are, there are a lot of them that are Jewish okay? God promised that if they would give up their idolatry and let them shape them into his people that he would bless them and he has done so and he wants to do that kind of thing for us. He wants us to be the fullness of Jesus Christ, and he wants that for the Jews as well. Uh, something that, that they're still yet missing. So, uh, we want this freedom from our uh, our slavery to sin. We want it. We, we desire it. Desiring it is not enough, and we have to die to ourselves, and we've dealt with that in the last two weeks. And we're going to continue that even into discipleship today. So, uh, Today and next week, we'll be looking at the resurrection, that is, a new body, a new heaven, a new earth, okay, where we're liberated from the effects of sin, so those things are waiting for us, and so uh, I know a bunch of you will be going through finals within the next week or two, so our, our lesson next week, even for those of you that have the whole week off, I want to encourage you to come next Sunday morning, because we'll talk about the rest, that is promised for the disciples of Jesus Christ. The rest that we receive uh, because it is exhausting yep. mm-hmm. living in this world. And Jesus needed rest. We need rest. And so uh, there, God has something really cool in store for us. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's look at some scriptures this morning. Uh, managing ourself is never the solution. Managing ourselves. Is never the solution. Uh, you have to forgive me, I come from Kentucky, so I think self is a noun all by itself, so you can say stuff like his self uh, is fine. Uh, I've never figured out why herself is okay, but his self is not. So, uh, English people, you can correct me on that later. But um, uh, it has something to do with a nominative case or something. I don't know. Anyway, somebody, uh, read for Colossians 2 20 220, 23. You died with Christ and remain free from the powers that influence this world. So why do you act as if you still belong to it? I mean, why do you follow rules like don't eat this, don't taste that, don't touch that? These rules are these rules are talking about earthly things that are gone after they are used. They're only human commands and teachings. These rules may seem to be wise as a part of made up religion in which people pretend to be humble and punish their bodies, but they don't help people stop doing the evil the the evil the sinful self wants to do. Wow. So I go. Uh, I, I went to the doctor a few years ago. The doctor, uh, uh, went to a clinic and he listened to my heart and he goes, "You need to go see your regular doctor uh, right away." So I go. So I leave the clinic. I drive over to my regular doctor. Said, "I, I need an appointment." The guy said, "Right away." Uh, something with my heart. They said, "Well, we can just nurse practitioner." The nurse practitioner listens to my heart. He says, "We need to get you to a cardiologist." Immediately. I said, what do you mean immediately? He said, well, it's not life-threatening yet. <laughs> yet. Mm-hmm. So I said, ha, ha. he said, there's one down the hall. I said, well, I, I wonder if they're in my insurance network, so I stopped in at the office. It's called Gethsemane Cardiology Clinic. I said, It's an interesting name. How do you get this name? Why did you decide on this? The guy says, the cardiologist says, well, I believe that yes, me represents the pain and agony we all go through before we pass. An hour before, I thought I was in great health. I get t- immediately, directly, not life threatening yet, and the pain that we pass through before we pass away and die. And I'm just going, like, man, this is serious stuff. So, what does he do? You know, about our second meeting, he goes, no longer like coffee no so waves his hand hey I'm going You're your my drinks don't work on me man you know you no longer like coffee but I thought about that yet okay and I thought I, I really need to listen to this guy he's got good advice. he's got good rules but, you know don't eat this don't taste that okay so, so he says don't do these things so I said okay I can give up coffee you yeah? know so what do I do? I drink strong black tea. <laughs> you know? A lot of dark chocolate. Okay. Did I give up caffeine? No. Okay, So, you know, the rules are there. The rules are there, and, and he's giving me these rules. So, you know, I, did I give up coffee? Yeah, I gave up coffee. And I, you know, I come back, uh, you know, in six months, and he goes, did you cut back on your coffee? I said, no, you told me to cut it out. He goes, oh, well, people don't usually do what I tell them to. Uh, so, uh, what's that, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> but I drink caffeine. But I drink caffeine tea. And he goes, uh, "Well, once we get your medicine balanced out, you'll be able to drink tea again." Uh, so we got the medicine balanced out, and I can drink tea now, and even a little bit of coffee if, if necessary uh, or if wanted. Uh, so anyway. These are human commands. Do you hear that? Human commands and teachings. The rules may seem wise as... I I like this translation. I think this is the simple English Bible or uh, easy to read version. May seem wise as part of a made-up religion in which people pretend to be humble and punish their bodies. I remember a young couple that... I taught when I was in school, and uh, they they came to me one time and they said, "Exactly how far we can can we go it's sinful sexually?" <laughs> okay. And my statement was, "You're asking the wrong question. You're asking, you're asking, you know, where do we draw the line?" How much can we get by with? And those are rules, he says they, right? they're destined to perish. They're not going to be effective. Those, now, do we need rules? As little children, we need some rules. We need to know what's bad for us and what's good for us. But the rules are not going to act. This is just managing is what it's doing. It's managing our selfish desires. And I don't, you know, I don't want to take away, the Scripture doesn't take away from the fact that we need these things, but they have very, very limited effectiveness in actually changing self. And that's where it comes down to that crucifixion. So uh, they don't help people stop doing the, the sinful self wants to do, and that comes only through the death, the crucifixion of self. Okay. Somebody read. Uh, so, uh, so I said here. I call it the fellowship of the cross. Uh, it's called discipleship. If you like discipleship? You can. I like the fellowship of the cross mostly because I'm a Tolkien fan. Um, are you? Uh, so, are you a disciple of Jesus? Before you can make disciples, you have to be a disciple, and that's really key. Because I said earlier, it's easy to make disciples, but it's easy to make disciples of who you are. It's easy to make disciples of of what you have become and not of who you need to be. And so we need to really be a disciple of Jesus rather than, you know, I, I grew up, my, my dad would tell people he wasn't a, a Christian. He was, and he named it a particular religious group, okay? He, he was a church goer, okay? Uh, and he did, you know, and he, and he, and he called my mom a Campbellite. A follower of Alexander Campbell. Uh, Okay, so so what's he doing? He's distinguishing between religion and this real dying to self. He doesn't want to be a disciple of Campbell. I don't either. I don't want to be a disciple of Campbell. Augustine, St. Augustine was great. Uh, I don't want to be a disciple of St. Augustine. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. So let's hear what Jesus says. Matthew, somebody read it please. Then Jesus said, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life to me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self?" So, does this is last sentence really fit here? I mean, he just told me I have to, I have to lose. You know, you want to save your life, you got to lose it. You lose, you know. Whoever loses your life for me, you're gonna save it. And then, what, what's this last sentence about? do you all Um, the world can't make like make you full, I guess. So the more it takes from you, the more you lose yourself. Mhm. My wife loves sports. What? I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna call you out here. What does it mean to forfeit? What does it mean to forfeit? Yeah. You don't have enough players to play and you can't play because you're within the rules. Uh huh. What'd you say over here? Give up. To give up. You give up because you didn't show up. Okay? Right? You give up because you decided they're too powerful. What's he say? He says, forfeit yourself. Well, I give it up give it up. I mean, in chess, we topple the king. I don't know much about other sports. Yeah, I just call it chess. Sport. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, I'm a geek. Uh, so, anyway, uh, you know, in, in chess, we topple the king over. I, I see, I'm in a no-win situation. He says here, you're in a no-win situation. Forfeit yourself, because yourself is not redeemable, Okay. Let him remake you into the image of Jesus. Now, will he use my personality traits? Will he use my physical body? Will he use, you know, my skills, my talents? Yes. But at the core, I've got some real brokenness in me, and I need to let him... I need to forfeit those things. I need to give those things up to Him, And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, which is done throughout our lives. So, beginning Christians really struggle with this. They think, I won't ever mess up again. And then they mess up. And they're like, well, that was a one-off. No, it wasn't. You're going to keep messing up. So, don't get discouraged. God is continually remaking you. His Spirit is continually working in you for His glory somebody read for us, Uh, let's see how disciples we are, Galatians 6 somebody read that for us okay so Paul says, I am writing in all capital letters (laughs) I'm writing with big letters the men trying to force you to be circumcised he's talking about to become Jewish, Uh, you're Gentiles trying to become Jews, okay Trying to force you to be circumcised are only doing it so that their people will accept them. They fear persecution if they follow only the cross of Christ. They are circumcised, but they don't obey the law. They want you to be circumcised so they can boast about what they did to you. I never boast about things like that. The cross of our Lord Jesus is my only reason for boasting. Through Jesus' death on the cross, the world is dead to me. And I am dead to the world. It doesn't matter if anyone is circumcised or not. The only thing that matters is this new life we have from God. Peace and mercy to all God's people who follow this rule. What my dad didn't want was my dad did not want to be converted to Church of Christness. He didn't want to be converted to acapella music. He didn't want to be converted to uh, not being able to go swimming with somebody of the opposite gender or uh, whatever the rules that the churches that my mom took us to believed. Those were really good rules. He didn't want to be converted to those rules. When I was 22 my dad said, I'm not good enough, and I'll never be good enough. And Jesus is going to have to act from the inside out. And he was converted. But he wasn't converted to church Christism. He was converted to Christ. He was converted to Jesus. But that we can rejoice. Okay. Look at You know, I mean, I I just think about how many times we are so excited because our church is doing well, or we're disappointed because our church is doing badly. There is no your church. There's Christ's church. There's Jesus' church. And if his church is doing good, we should rejoice with him. That's where our boasting is. It's not that my church did this, my youth group did that. Or we went on this mission trip. It's not that we did this or we did that. It's that God accomplished these things through us. That's where the boasting is in God, not in us. Okay. Jesus endured the cross, but he did have a joyful r- reward. I don't want us to to I don't want this to be gloom and doom. We need to hear what we're giving up, but we also need to hear there's a reward. So somebody, Hebrews 12, one. So endured, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have <clears throat> such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and protector. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame, for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him, and sat down at the right side of God's throne. Think about the one who endured such opposition from sinners so that he won't be discouraged and you won't give up. Pick out some phrases here that uh, that are things that you can put into action. <laughs> things you can put into action here. Uh, witness. witness. Endure. Endure. Run. Run. the race. Run the race. Throw off extra baggage. Oh my word! Throw off extra baggage. I had a friend training to be a, a army ranger. And he used to carry this huge rock in his backpack. You know? <laughs> he's running along with this huge rock in his backpack. You know? And so he's trying to make himself stronger, but he was just carrying around a big rock. <laughs> That's what we're doing sometimes. What else we got? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at the mark. You watch a basketball player. They don't hit the goal by looking over here and shooting the basketball. They're looking at the goal. You look at, you look at football players. Try driving sometimes. No, don't. Don't <laughs> you know, try driving without looking at your goal. You know? You're going to drive where you look. This is why I don't like riding with my dad. because he, he, he thinks that house is pretty cool. He's just like, oh oh, 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 over there. Oh, you know, <laughs> he's all over this thinking place. Okay, we look where we fix our eyes. That's where we go. He says, "Fix your eyes on Jesus." Okay. Anything else here? What about um, ignoring it? Shame. Was that is that kind of like don't care if others think you're a Christian? Yeah, yeah. The cross was a shameful thing. That was a criminal thing. That was the death for a criminal, okay? A traitor to the crown. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I say things, I say things at school that the Supreme Court has decided is against the Constitution. I disagree with the Supreme Court, but that won't keep me out of jail. But I say things, you know, I have students. They're in a hard situation. I'll pray with them. Am I supposed to do that as a teacher? No. No. Good. You know. So if I get if I get sent to jail for that, I get sent to jail for that. You know. That's he says. It it sounds like foolishness. It sounds like stupidity. What you do for the cross, what you do to give up yourself to say, I don't care about me anymore. I care about these other people, and I want to live like Jesus every day of my life. That's mm. foolishness to the world. The world doesn't understand that, okay. and, and that's to them that's shameful. Mm. To them that's stupid. Paul calls it. He calls himself a fool in another place. Okay, so yeah, yeah. don't worry about that. I'm not worried about what, you know, I'm not worried that if other people think I'm stupid. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a physics teacher. I'm a physics teacher I believe in God. I have Chinese people who are atheists and they're like, how can you teach physics? How can you be a man of science and still believe in God? Are you using your brain? They are saying to me. Okay? To them that sounds like so because they've heard a different story than the story that I know. And that is that the God I know is the God of physics. The God that controls chemistry. The God that controls biology. The God that made the universe. Okay? So I know him. They only know a story that the Communist Party has told them. So it sounds absolutely stupid to them. I've got physics. I've got people with PhDs in physics that that think I'm stupid for being a believer as well. But that's because they're looking only at the physical they're not looking at the metaphysical and there are things beyond the physics. you can believe that try coming up with an equation for love <laughs> mm-hmm. okay let's see the cost of discipleship Luke 14 if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even their own lives Such a person cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose a king is about to go to war, would he first consider whether he is able to oppose the one coming against him? If he is not able, he will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Give up everything you have. You cannot. Be my disciple unless you are giving up everything you have. Somebody asked me this week about uh, riches. How can you, you know, uh, how, how do we deal with riches versus uh, poverty and do we give it all up? And my answer is, yeah, we give it all up. Did I buy a little 2012 Fiat 500? Yeah. And you know what? I get people riding in that. That's God's car. Do I have a house? Yeah. It's God's house. I entertain people. We fix, you know, we use our pots and pans to fix food for people. That's God's food. It's not our food in the fridge. That's God. you know, every dollar we got in the bank account is God's. It's not mine. It's not Cheryl's. It's God's. Number one item on our budget, on our budget list, yeah, we do a budget. Right? Old-fashioned kind of people. Okay. We do a budget. Your first item, God. God. Charitable giving. That's the number one item. Okay. Everything else that follows is also God's. Okay. God's given us electricity. We were little. Our daughter prayed. Uh, our daughter prayed at the table one time. We had some strawberry. We grew some strawberries in the yard, and uh, she said, "God." Give poor people strawberries, too. Aww. And I love that. And I shared that with David Young, and he goes, God did give the poor people strawberries, and you ate them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gave strawberries to poor people, and he gave strawberries to us, too. Okay? We ate them. So they were good. Okay, Aww. Give up everything. Okay? Give up everything. Don't hold anything back. The stuff we hold back, is really that's what we looked at last week with consecration. Is really not worth anything. Okay, let's continue to look at uh, some more. Jesus says about the rewards. Uh, I'm sorry. Look at the rewards here. Okay. I don't see any rewards. Do you? No. But but I've said this is the cost of discipleship. Let's look at the rewards. We need to count the cost. I was part of a church that actually, when they baptized somebody, uh, when I was in the army, uh, we went to a church off off base and uh, they weren't off base, they were off of the military base. Um, But the church, when they would baptize somebody, they would say, you realize you may have to give up your life because you're a Christian. You realize this may cost you your life. Somebody may put a gun to your head and say, if you're a Christian, I'm going to pull the trigger. Okay. And they would tell the person that before they baptized them. Okay, you better believe those those people that said, yes, mm-hmm. I still want to be baptized. I still want to be a follower of Jesus. They had thought about the cost. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't think about the cost. Mm-hmm. Okay, We've grown up in, a, in, a, in a, a church youth group, and our friends become Christians, and everything seems to be just flowing smoothly for us when we make this little gentle transition into Christendom. Okay? You are at war with Satan and there are costs, and you need to count those. Okay, let's hear about the rewards so. Some. Somebody read this for us. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came this hour. Father, glorify me. Yeah. Tell me about some of these rewards. What do you get if you're giving up all this? I'd like to know if I'm giving up something, I want to know what I'm getting. Eternal life. Eternal life. What else? You get to be with him. You get to be with him. What else? You'll be honored by God. Honored by God. Wow. Remember the part where Jesus says, Uh, You know, you come in, if you think you're important, you sit at the head of the table, and then somebody says, excuse me, you need to move down. You're not at the head of the table, okay? Wouldn't it be better if you sat at the foot of the table, and then the host comes in and says, wait a minute, you're my good buddy. Move over here by me. That's what he's saying right here. You get to be with Jesus. God is going to honor you. Give it up. Yourself self and allowing him to fill you with Jesus, really fill you with Jesus. The life of Jesus is what God intends for your whole life. He intends that for my marriage, or our marriage. He intends that for Cheryl and for me. He intends that for our children. He intends that for you as his child. He wants you to know that, to have that honor. And Jesus says, you know, before he goes to the cross, he says, my soul is troubled. It bugs me. Okay? It bugs me. What, what, what am I supposed to say? God, take this away from me. Don't let me die. No, he's already, he's already said it. Unless you die like a kernel of wheat, unless the seed goes into the ground, it's not any count. It's never going to grow. It's got to grow, and when it grows, it grows into something totally different. Another reward is that it produces other seeds. Produces other seeds. Good. Good. Uh, It also produces glory to God. I came for this hour, Father glorified your name. I like that. Okay? Discipleship is not about having. A uh, Bible study, even a you know, I mean, we've got these little bookmarks, they're cool. They're cool. I, I'm not criticizing the bookmarks, they're helpful. We uh, In our family, we've used the bookmarks for several years. In discipleship groups, we've used the bookmarks for several years. Uh, discovery Bible study is a cool tool, but don't mistake that for discipleship. Discipleship is not about having a discovery Bible study. Discipleship is not about getting a bunch of friends together. And just having fun, getting a bunch of friends together and talking about spiritual things. Mm -hmm. Going on Fall Retreat. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is a fellowship of the cross. We learn to crucify self daily. And we learn to live for him. If we're not learning that, we're making disciples of something else. Ourselves. Some image that our parents put in us, our church likeness instead of Jesus likeness. Okay. Look at the woes that Jesus gives. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, <clears throat> and when you have succeeded, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. I'm going. I'm going to other countries and found all kinds of things that people would say. Oh, you can't be a Christian if you do this. Oh, those people over there are not Christians because they do that. I see a very fragmented world where Christian groups have gone in and taught people to be just like them. And it made no sense whatsoever to them. Horrible, horrible. Okay. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. I love all those spices. Okay? But you've neglected the more important matters of the law: justice, mercy, and faithfulness, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting to give a tithe of every little thing. You blind guides, you strain out a net, but swallow a camel. (laughs) Wow, there's some hyperbole. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup. Oh, we used to have a renter. We had a rental house for a little while. We had this renter. She dressed up. She was a business major. She was, I don't remember. She was a senior. She dressed so nice, so professionally. She was a McGuire at her church. No kidding. She asked me to go in there and fix the bathroom in her uh, that was right off of her bedroom one time. So I go into the bedroom. Wow, I can't. I can't even describe it. I've seen squirrel nests that were more organized. <laughs> okay. There's like 44 ounce Sonic drinks with mold growing out the top of them. Okay. There's food in the bed. All of her wardrobe. Nothing's hanging up in the closet. Nothing. Everything is wadded up on the bed. She scooted over a little bit to where she's got a little narrow place to sleep, right? I go into the bathroom and the entire counter is covered with makeup powder stuff. I don't even know how to describe it, okay? I, I didn't know how to describe it. Pig style. Pig sty, okay? This is somebody This is somebody who learned to clean the the outside of the cup, but not the inside of the cup. Okay, she didn't care about what was going on in her room. She just cared about what the rest of the world saw. The rest of the world saw this person who was all nice and neat and made up. Okay, that's not who she really was. Okay? Okay, but inside you are full of greed. And self indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then outside will also be cleaned. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're, you're like whitewashed tombs. Wow, just painting over the outside where there's dead, decaying stuff on the inside. Okay? <laughs> They look beautiful on the outside, but inside they're full of bones and dead and everything unclean. In the same way that you on the outside appear uh, to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. Pornography. Okay. The thoughts that go on in our heads. Our greed. Okay. The fact that we're willing to hoard up strawberries instead of give them to the poor, share them with the poor. The fact that we're willing to do just about anything to please ourselves, but we act like we're being generous to spend a little extra time helping somebody and we expect somebody to pat us on the back. We just had a 60th anniversary for my dad. What was it, what was it that David David said that that dad said about uh, everybody else? He didn't want to do he didn't want to do a 50th anniversary because uh, because he didn't want everybody to be thinking about him or something like that, you know. Okay. My dad didn't care about that. Okay. He, he wasn't worried about what everybody else, he, he was worried about what everybody else would think. That's what he said. No, he didn't. He didn't care what everybody else thought. I know my dad. Okay? okay. But sometimes we are, sometimes we're worried about what everybody else is thinking. We're unclean on the inside, but we want to appear all nice and neat and clean. So we show up to church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the way I grew up. Okay, like, We showed up all the stinking time. And yet, we had problems. You can all say boomers. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I know you're thinking it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, boomers have got problems. So do yeah. y'all. The question is not whether we have problems or not, is how much we're going to allow God to change us into his image? Are we going to hold back and try to, you know, not consecrate everything? Are we going to be like King Saul, who saved out the things he deemed as best instead of giving them over to God? Or are we going to truly give it all to him? Okay. Somebody, first Corinthians here. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something <clears throat> else. For God gives it a body as he has determined, as each kind of seed he gives its own body. You see, God God planted in you a seed that he wants to grow. He's given you've got a personality. You didn't decide that personality, you've got a physical body. For the most part, you didn't decide your physical body, okay? I may have made a few decisions that influenced my body, but I didn't decide how tall I was going to be, what color my hair was going to be. I didn't you know, decide what color skin I was going to have, color eyes. I didn't decide any of that stuff, okay? But I've planted that body And said, God, you've got your seed in my heart. And what he does is he grows until he occupies that body fully and completely. When I turn it over to him, fully and completely, that seed becomes a totally different body. A totally different body. So God uses our our physical bodies but he gives us a spiritual body, a body in spirit. And it and, and, and this seed grows into something that's unlike what was planted. When we became Christians, we buried. We were buried with Christ. The new person is not like that old person. Do we keep trying to hold on to it? Yeah, we keep trying to hold on to it. And it curses us every time we do. What about first John 3 9? No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Good. Now when he says that uh that we won't continue to sin, what he means is you're not you don't choose to continue to live in sin. You recognize sin for what it is. You decide that's not me. I messed up. I sin. I rebel against God. I repent. I change. Do you mess up again? Yeah, you mess up again on down the road here. You ask for forgiveness. You move on. You don't continue in sin saying, "Yes, this is just the way I'm always going to be." God made me like this. Okay, No. You realize who God is making you into. Galatians 3. Oh, sorry, cut off some of that. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds. Plural. Uh, yeah. What's it say? Meaning many people. Meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person, in it, who who is Christ. Go ahead, read it out for us. Uh, uh, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions, until the seed to whom the promise referred to come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, he doesn't say you're Abraham's seeds. You're not children of Abraham. You're the seed that God put in Abraham. Who's that? Jesus, he says. He's already told you. Okay? This is not a coded message. God put Jesus in your heart. He put Jesus in you as a seed. He expects Jesus to grow, to fulfill you. That's who you are. Heirs according to the promise. And first 1 Peter 1:23. 1, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Bingo. But I love this first Corinthians passage. Even now, we still don't have enough to eat or drink. Paul's telling us his situation, and we don't have enough clothes. We often get beatings. We have no homes. He's talked about him and the other apostles. We work hard with our own hands to feed ourselves. When people insult us, we ask God to bless them. When people treat us badly, we accept it. When people say bad things about us, we try to say something that will help them. But people still treat us like garbage. He's describing who his new self is. It's made in the image of Jesus Christ this is Jesus Christ he's just described and this is Paul and this is the other apostles the disciples of Jesus he says I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed but I'm writing this to counsel you as my own dear children you may have 10,000 teachers in Christ but through the good news I became your father in Christ so I beg you to be like me as I'm like Christ that is why I'm sending Timothy. He's my son in the Lord. I love him and I trust him. He will remind you of the way I live in Christ Jesus. The way of life that I teach in every meeting of the church, wherever I am. This is discipleship, folks. That we learn to live like Jesus in that first paragraph. And that we live among other people and we teach those other people to live like Jesus also. Not to be like Nick Corbin. Not to be like any of the other elders. Not to be like David Young. Not to be like your campus minister or youth minister back home. Not to be like any of those people, but to be like Jesus. To be like them only as they're like Jesus. This is God's goal for you. This is discipleship. If you are not, you are making people twice the sons of hell that you are. Because you know there's evil and there are things in your life that are dark. Next, next week, we got a promise of rest in Christ. May God bless every one of you this week. Be faithful and enjoy the time with your family.